Once again, Lord, you are here and we are here. As we ever think and continue on the journey of Advent, touch our hearts and our minds. Set us on fire with love for you. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. <coughs> Amen. Well, I missed you all last week. But I'm sure, and I've heard, that it all went very well. So I'm glad, I'm glad to have it. I'm glad to be back. So, here we are in Advent. Really, being in Advent means that we are out of step with the world. Now, the world is looking at December Eight. No, fourth. What day is this? The fourth? December fourth. Thinking, man, 26 days to a new year, right? Almost there. We've done 11 months. But in Advent, the church begins the new year. So we are in the second week of a new year, liturgically speaking. And so we have already entered that place of doing things a bit differently. The world's calendar is totally different than the church's calendar. And so we look at things a bit differently in Advent. Now, if you have left your home in the last week and you have gone anywhere, you have seen Christmas trees. Anybody not seen one? You have years for even grocery stores look like Christmas. Um, you've heard Christmas carols on your radio. You have probably been invited to parties. And I'm not condemning any of those things. We all do them. In fact, we put up our Christmas tree a couple of days ago. And I'm going to tell you, First time ever we haven't had a real tree. We have an artificial tree. We ordered it in Montana and it arrived in our home. But anyway, I have been married 54 years. This is the first time Charlie has ever plugged in the tree and I've said, Wow, there's enough lights. <laughs> of our marriage, he has put lights on the tree, and when he plugs it in, I said, there's not enough lights. But he no longer has to face them, because I realized this year that he's really getting too old to get up and down and put all of those lights on. So Christmas is upon us. We have wrap packages, and all of that is going on, and it's all good. But the church says, hey, wait a minute. We aren't there yet. We're still preparing. Advent living calls us to a less frenzied type of living. It's reflective. It's also challenging. In fact, Advent calls us to live life on the edge. We are on the in-between time. Jesus has come. He said he's coming back. We can trust that. But we're in between. We're living 
saying we didn't see him in the first century personally, and here we are. We're on in-between time. We're waiting. We're hoping. We're expecting someday he will return, but right now, we're just in between. Before we begin the gospel for today, I want to, and I know that it was prophesied in Isaiah as well as we read in the gospel, but the one I really want to point out is the prophet Malachi. Malachi is the last book in the Old Testament scriptures. However, that is only true for our Bible. It is not the last book in the Hebrew scriptures. But Malachi, I think, holds this position because he says, he prophesies, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and terrible day of Yahweh comes. I will send you the prophet Elijah. In fact, in later in the Gospel of Matthew, we're going to read that somebody says, well, Elijah was supposed to come first. And Jesus says, what? John the Baptist was Elijah's so John the Baptist comes, and he replicates the look of um, the prophet of Elijah. John wears camel skin clothing. Elijah wore the skin of wild animals. Both of them were belted around their waist, and they were kind of unusual looking. <laughs> Particularly John the Baptist, I think of this wild and woolly guy. He's lived out in the desert. He's dined on locusts and wild honey. Not an appetizing menu. So I looked it up because I was like, locusts, that's an interesting and I, I, I need to do a little more research and see if Old Testament locusts were different than New Testament locusts. But I did find that locusts and grasshoppers, both sounding really good, huh? were kosher foods. They were approved eating for the Jewish people. Imagine your Thanksgiving dinner on your but, but they were approved. He also died on honey. And I read a book recently, and there's been several out lately that have beekeepers in them. And it's really interesting to hear beekeepers talk about the healing properties of honey and the preservative properties of honey and the fact that you can do just about anything with honey. So that was the food of John the Baptist. So John cries out to the people, Repent, for the kingdom of God is near. Repent. He sounds like a prophet. The people of Israel, the Jewish people of the time, had not heard a prophetic voice for 400 years. They were used to Old Testament prophets and having them read in their scriptures and hearing over and over, but they have not heard a new prophetic voice in 400 years. They have wandered away. Lots of them know they're not living up to what they should be doing. But, you know, life goes on. It's easy. You ever notice 
If you don't come to church for about a month, it's really easy to get out of habit of coming to church. Or, you know, if you start doing something, it's real easy to get into the habit. And they've gotten away from the habit and the expectation and maybe even the hope that God was there for them in their culture. They have not heard a prophetic word for 400 years when John the Baptist comes on the scene. So, Fred, Fred Craddock, who is a famous, was a famous preacher, he's now dead, says, John the Baptist was the most famous preacher of his generation. People walked for miles to hear him. Why? Because John the Baptist is saying something new, something different. He sounds pretty prophetic. So he calls for the people to be baptized. Now I'm going to suggest to you that John the Baptist was a man of destiny. This was where we have, thank you Joe, you want to see if they wanted to come in? He has come on the scene with a very specific purpose. If we went back and chased his ancestry, we would find out that that he is destined to be the voice of the one who is bringing about um, the coming of Jesus, who is announcing the coming of Jesus. So, he says he baptized for repentance. Now, <clears throat> if you're Jewish, you are shocked at the word baptism because no Jewish person was baptized. That would have been unheard of. The only people in the first century who were baptized were those who were non-Jews and they wanted to become Jews. So the prototypes were baptized into the Jewish faith. But the Jewish, actual Jewish, born and raised um, person was not baptized. So that's pretty outrageous. John says, I want you to be baptized. I want you to be baptized for repentance. And repentance for John meant not just saying, gee, I'm sorry about what I did last week. Repentance for John was turning your whole life around, your whole way of living around to become open and um, changed and empowered to be the people of God. And the people are responding. These Jews are responding to this call. And they're coming in droves to be baptized by John. And where are they being baptized? Anybody remember? River Jordan. So what's so special about the River Jordan? It was the very river they came through, the river that God gave them to lead them into the promised land, to be his people. So they're being baptized in the River Jordan. And he is telling them, turn your life around. Well, all very good for them. But what does it mean for us in 2022? What does it mean for us? We might think of it as removing the obstacles in our lives that keep us in control rather than letting 
God be in control? Each year, John's words echo in the Advent season. So they have to have, or are supposed to have, a powerful meaning for the church of God. Advent calls us to identify the darkness in our own lives, in our own hearts. It calls us to see not only the darkness in the world, the darkness in our own lives. Advent calls us to confront our own suffering, confront our own pride, our fear, our anger, our hopelessness, our self-righteousness. You can plug in whatever works for you there. These pretty much covered a lot of mine. And it calls us to be open to change, to repent, to open our hearts to the presence of God in our lives. And I'm going to tell you, it's a bit of a struggle. I don't know if it is for you, but it is for me. Anyway, in the book, Brothers Counters Off by Dostoevsky, excuse me, I've heard his name, he defines the struggle that we live in. He said, God and the devil are fighting. And the battlefield is the human heart. The battlefield is my heart and your heart. And that's pretty much the message of Adam. And the call in our lives to open those hearts and hear the difference that Jesus calls us to be in the world. So if we profess that we're Christians, then we're called to live a bit differently. We're called to do things differently. We're called to talk differently. And in the world today, I think we see the real conflict between darkness and light. Between the hateful words that are said from all corners, no matter what your belief is, you hear the negative, the condemning. Yet Jesus called, came to set us free. And even though you and I have been set free, we are free, the war continues. If you remember D-Day in World War II, it technically ended the war, right? It didn't end the battles. Not everyone got the message. Kind of the theme, the, the same thing I see in this. We've been set free, but not everyone has gotten the message. So, the drama of Adam announces that there is judgment, and there is redemption. Now, I really like that word judgment. Who wants to be considered judgmental? Anybody here really want to be a judgmental person? No. I mean, we might be. But is that really our goal in life? Yeah. Because it conjures up all kinds of negative things. But if you look at judgmental, and which comes from the word justice, um, and if you look at it in a biblical understanding, you will find that justice the word, justice, is the same word for righteousness in both Hebrew and Greek. So justice is righteous living, being righteous. Um, 
living righteousness. They both refer to aspects of God. And it would be nice if they referred to us as well, that we could live that way. It's a difficult call. God promises. How many times has somebody promised you something and they didn't do it? Okay. We're all familiar with broken promises. We've probably all broken a few promises in our lives. Not throwing any stones here, but looking at my life, I can see that that's probably very true. But I want to hold out to you that God's promises are different. You can take them to the bank. When God promises redemption and justice and grace, it is going to happen. It is going to happen because his promises are true and faithful. And the call of Advent for us, again, is to believe and to trust in those promises. Quite frankly, it's been a long time since Jesus came, right? There have been many times in my life when I've thought, this would be a good day, Lord. <laughs> good day every time. But it hasn't happened. And it may not happen in our lifetime. Wouldn't it be amazing if it did? If we got up one morning and everything was different? But 2,000 years of history don't necessarily give me hope that it's going to happen in the next number of years of my life. But it could. It could, because we're always called to live in hope. And we're called to be faithful. We're called in Advent and at all times to be faithful to what Christ calls us to be, his people in a broken and hurting world. And living faithfully is also difficult from time to time. I mean, it's just hard. It's hard sometimes just even to say a blessing in a restaurant because people are looking at you, wondering what you're doing. It's hard to say no to things that the world is saying yes to, but we are called, you and I, to live faithfully. Now, there's an old Indian story that some of you may have heard. It's about a grandfather and a grandson. And this pretty much sums it up. The old Cherokee said, My son, the battle is between two wolves inside us all. One is evil, it is anger, envy, jealousy, doubt, sorry, sorrow, regret, greed, arrogance, self-pity, guilt, resentment, inferiority, lies, false pride, superiority, and ego. Have I missed anyone in this? <laughs> okay. The other is good. It is joy, peace, love, hope, serenity, humility, kindness, benevolence, empathy, generosity, forgiveness, truth, compassion, and faith. Well, the grandson thought about that for a while, and he looked up at his grandfather and he said, which will win? 
And the old Cherokee simply replied, the one you feed, the one you feed. And that is really the call of Advent, to feed on the promises that we are anticipating Jesus is coming back. He has come. He's changed our lives. To feed on them and grow in them. To be faithful in times when it's difficult to be faithful. Advent calls us to remind us. Advent calls us to live in joy and love and peace with one another. So, my friends and beloved parishioners and family here at Good Shepherd, have a very blessed second week of Advent. Amen. Amen.